It's episode three of the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. Once again, taping this on a Sunday ahead of the Charleston Classic for Virginia, so this will soon become just a little bit dated, but whatever. We're going for consistency here, so if you're one of our subscribers or if you're listening to this podcast, you know that Sunday primetime has been our our general time, so we're going to get into it. The first week, we've actually had some meat on the bone or some games to talk about rotations starting to form to a certain extent. Duke probably being the exception. They might not figure that out until February. But uh, the most important theme of this past week, certainly in ACC basketball, gentlemen, has been the upsets. Virginia first, North Carolina followed in the exact same fashion. So uh, falling to a mid-major on the road. Duke lost uh, to Kentucky in the Champs Classic. And... uh, then just escaped Georgetown earlier this afternoon. I'm Luke Neer. If you're listening to this, hopefully you're getting to know us a little bit better. Taylor Pilkington is to my left, and to his left is Guthrie Alexander. Gentlemen, good to see you again. Great to be here. So, yeah, so, North, be here. so North Carolina, the number one team in the country, consensus favorite, I don't know why, picked up the first L of the season. Very gratifying for, I guess, the, the skeptics. So... I don't know if that's a victory for us because we weren't we weren't on that bandwagon. We were somewhere, I don't know, following behind, walking somewhere in the distance. But no, we, we were not in no. North Carolina being a juggernaut. And they can chalk it up to Marcus Page being injured, but I don't even know if I would uh, go that far. I think that, uh, you know, in the sense of all these sorts of big teams that lose to small teams, I think they'll be fine. Um I think they, if anything, as much as I thought they weren't the best team in the nation to start off with, watching this game just reinforced to me that they are super talented. I mean, I I, I love their I'll individual talent. I, I think the the one thing I'd be worried about for them in this game, what I took away from the, the Northern Iowa loss, was that they don't get enough baskets, easy baskets. They don't get enough easy layups, baskets close in, whether in transition, where they beat the guys down the floor – or they don't break down the defense with passing, and then they you know create an easy wide open layup for themselves. Yeah, and that's generally been the formula for Roy over the years. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. I mean every time I see they you know toss the, every time they need a basket they throw the ball into Meeks Johnson sometimes Justin Jackson some you know somebody on the block but extended and they hit that beautiful shot which i really is an amazing shot i really love it it's kind of like a high long turnaround almost like a skyhawk skyhook kind of hook but the high release it's really very it's like a ballet it's very they almost pirouette mm-hmm. in the air and so the high release it's i mean it's beautiful i every time i see it i think wow that is so pure it, it reaffirms my faith in college basketball and i'm not a north carolina fan but i think that is a, just an amazing move and however effortless they might look at, that is a very difficult shot. And if that is the only type of shot that you're getting that you can rely on, it while it well, reaffirms yeah. the amount of talent that they have, it also m- would make me a little nervous if I was a UNC fan because they're not getting kind of the easy straight line drives. They're missing many of their wide open three looks. And, and that would worry me. Um, this team offense. should be able to figure out easy baskets. I'm not too concerned there. However, here's what's concerning to me a little bit. This team doesn't know how to close. And they put it up in their locker room over the course of the offseason and preseason, made a big deal about it in an ACC media day. I listened to all the press conferences of 
Paige Johnson and um, actually I don't know if those two went this year. No, it was um, Justin Jackson, I believe, and Kennedy Meeks were there. And then Roy said the same thing in his press conference, how they posted up posters, banners, confetti foo-foo in the, the locker room saying finish or some, some word like that. And they had a 10-point lead in that Northern Iowa game, and they let it slip away again. Yeah, that, that, definitely, that definitely is a, a concern going forward. Like at um, some point, it might not be in the DNA of these players. Yeah. Now they can win games because they could certainly build a 15, 20 point lead and hang on. I could see that happening. Let, let's not but, get too hot take about they can't close or something like that. I agree with I well, worry about so this team is, closing still. Part so, of what it is about closing out a game. It's the same team as last year, though. Part of what it is about closing out a game is that you just continue to execute and on offense and defense. And on yes. offense, I kind of, what I already talked about, mm-hmm. I think they didn't really execute that and then on defense they gave up a lot they didn't they gave up a lot of easy looks because they they missed a lot of rotations they didn't close out mm-hmm. and northern iowa capitalized on those looks northern iowa had a lot of really open looks from three but going back to offense this is not going to be a good defensive team let's just, let's just yeah yeah i think they're, they're going to try to outscore people and they can yeah. but let's yeah. just get over that yeah so going back to north carolina's you know, the offensive sets in the second half. Yeah, give me a nugget they, here. Yeah, yeah. So they, for the nugget. they bring it. <laughs> they they actually did look good when they went to Bryce Johnson when they went to Kennedy Meeks. Like they have that going on, right? And like that is their strength right now, for sure. Without Marcus Page, I think it's going to be their strength all season. Is those interior, it, the yeah, front it, court? It, it very well could players. be. I I think it's going to be a different dynamic when Marcus Page comes back. We'll see, you know, like how they change things, but um. When they started to get flustered, when Northern Iowa made that run, the they kind of abandoned. They take bad shots. They took so many bad shots. It, one they pass would, and a long two, long contested yeah. two. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Early in the shot clock, uh, or or late if they don't like get you know good movement on offense, get get an open look. They were just taking like really long. Shots yeah, and that is Nate, not their forte. Nate Britt played 29 minutes in that game and jacked up a ter- uh, an unbelievable amount of poor shots oh, or yeah. low percentage shots. Yeah. You can say the same about Joel Berry. Now, I mean, if Paige comes back, yeah, sure, that changes some. But they were five I, I'm for not, 18 I don't, from three-point range these guys. also. Here's one thing that uh, did show against Northern Iowa. Justin Jackson has taken a step. Oh, he we'll looks see great. if it's a leap or not. It could be a leap. It's certainly a step. I'm comfortable saying that even after just three games, four games. But... I, I do sense a difference. In, in he him. looks great. I and sense a difference. Let's not take anything away from Northern Iowa because they played awesome. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, man. Our boy Paul Jesperson. Peach. Uh, he looks like a giant Peach. angry bird. God, and man. they they they're, That was a fun game to watch. Like, Northern Iowa is legit. I, th- there's nothing wrong, like, with losing on the road to a tournament-bound team. There's no doubt in my mind Northern Iowa is going to be playing in the tournament this year. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the Missouri Valley. But, like, they are going to be competitive. Wichita State doesn't look as good this year to me. No, no. Um, I, th- I think Northern Iowa has a really good chance of, of okay. winning the tournament. We can continue to break down Northern Iowa basketball, <laughs> or we can just move on to the next team. And uh, I'm making the executive decision. I to, still uh, sometimes continue. text Paul Jesperson at, like, 2 a.m. in the morning and say, I still miss you. And then okay. silence. It's terrible. Okay. Um, I don't believe you, but... We're moving on. North Carolina, a loss. Let's, mm, I mean, you can see some things, but yeah. here's my thing about this year, okay? 
I don't know if there's a best team in the country. Is there a best team in the country? I don't think so. Are you asking this? Because right now I could pick one. Right now, at this moment, I would pick one. Are you going to say Kentucky? I would say Kentucky. That's ludicrous. I would say Kentucky. uh, It's not as as clear cut as as last year. Listen, this Duke team is down. This is a down year for Duke compared to... Compared to last season, obviously, uh, maybe similar to the Jabari Rodney Hood caliber of team. All right, so I don't know if we should anoint Kentucky by handling that Duke team in the second half. Oh, I'm right sorry. now they are the for me they're the number one. They're the best team in the nation. Okay. I mean they'll be number one in the poll, which whatever you take from that. How many of your old Kentucky friends like listen to this? Just a question. Are you like trying to get some love? Not that many, but subscribe and like us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Kansas also lost. Mentioned that a lot of top ten teams going down. Yeah. So we have Kansas went down. North Carolina, of course. Virginia, Duke, and I feel like I'm missing somebody else, but I could be wrong. Yeah, that was it. Was a not a great week for the top ten. Yeah. And that's why I want Maryland does not look like world beaters. That's why we love college basketball, right? Yeah. Anything can happen. Uh, the Wichita parody State, this year. Wichita State also that's, lost. That's the, that's the word Bennett loves to use, parody, in college basketball. We're certainly seeing it. All right. Gentlemen, what's our next topic, Taylor? Keep us on keep us on schedule. Let's go talk about Duke. I want to talk about Duke. Let's do that. I've, Let's... I've watched a lot of this team so far, and I, I have some observations. Should we start with Grayson Allen going from starter to bench? Does it really matter? I, I don't see how that matters. Now, all your hot take Duke writers out there might say this is—it's just so much better him coming off the bench. He's playing starters' minutes. Why does it matter if those minutes are at the beginning of the game or five minutes in? I mean, he's got a am lot I, on his am plate. Am I wrong there? Can we can we he's, end this? this he's basically discussion? Jeremy Renner playing college basketball. I mean, look at him—he looks exactly like Jeremy Renner. It's Hawkeye on the court. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty pretty accurate. <laughs> I never thought about that. I I think that in the at least in their in the big game of their week, the Kentucky game, he. Uh, tried very hard to force things. And he would get into the lane, and then he would run into a lot of trouble against their big guys. And against other teams, he can do that. He's very strong going to the hoop. You know, he'll he'll take it and make it. But in, against some of the teams that have great rim protection, it's going to be difficult for him uh, to do that. But, you know, I don't... It, Duke, the, the main thing I thought about that game against Kentucky was that Duke's freshmen looked like true freshmen, like you think of freshmen traditionally, whereas yeah, yeah. Kentucky's freshmen looked like they were experienced, were ready, were prepared for that kind of stage. Um, and, and you know, I think a combination of Duke being down and K- Kentucky just looked so good, which is one of the reasons okay, I Calm down over there, all right? Okay, keep it together. I, that was a very it, exciting game Keep it together to over there, all right? I, I can see you're just... Your face is your facial expression is, is enough. Was, I don't know what else is going on. Your that like, that game I don't know if was you're about to jump up if you're tingly <laughs> or or what, but you can settle down. I am tingly. Settle down a little but bit for different on reasons. this wildcat train of thought. Biggest red flag with this Duke team, Brandon Ingram. I don't know if you've yeah, been watching lost. him. I don't know if you've been he watching him play defense or rebounding. He looks like a lazy player. <laughs> looks totally disinterested. On that side of the floor. He looks disinterested on the offensive end sometimes, too. If you're redoing that draft class, and I know it's just four games in, but five games for Duke, but if we're redoing that draft class, he's not the second best player in the country. I don't think. I'm sorry. 
I mean, I think it's it's going to be like, you've seen flashes of him being really good, but it's it's always an adjustment if you're the and have we really the best player on your high school team and you have the ball in your hands all the time. It's it's an adjustment to not have the ball in your hands all the time, and you have to move off the ball and all that stuff. And he played 16 minutes earlier this afternoon and scored five points. Yeah, just want to throw that out there at you as you continue your um your take. But yeah, please continue. I, I mean, I think it's going to be an adjustment, and right now he is looking, he looks lost on the floor. 24 minutes against Bryant, 28 against Siena. Did well those games, but great. Uh, he scored four points against Kentucky in 19 minutes. He had like eight against VCU, and he had one rebound earlier today. One rebound against Kentucky. <laughs> if he's not rebounding, it's going to be all on those two big men, and maybe maybe Grayson Allen getting in the fray every now and oh, then. We, but, we I mean, a, Thornton is not going to rebound for that team as a guard. We haven't have even talked how, about have uh, how tall he is. Plum Dog Millionaire. Let's talk Dude, about him. Marshall from Titus, but that was yeah, that's that's pretty nice. Um, so his performance in the Kentucky game, like I thought, was he had their first eight pretty or nine points. Amazing. Wasn't sustainable was, in the end. I was completely surprised. I was not expecting that from Marshall. He Plumlee. he's giving them what they want, which is he's. He scores. He works hard. He gets rebounds. He scores kind of the buckets that they need him to score. He's never gonna pull a, you know, first round NBA type. Tr- move you guys sound like you should be like here. on a college basketball pregame show the way you're talking. <laughs> you yeah, really do. Like, oh, the fifth year senior bringing no, leadership. Yeah, oh, I mean, Marshall Plumley. I'm in on Marshall Plumley. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not in on this whole Plumley thing yet. I think okay? it's just a sign of Duke doesn't have. That they need him to contribute those sorts of things because they don't have the. Do you think skill, they should run plays for him? Other Are you suggesting they run plays for him? They will not run plays for him. Okay, but it it helps right. a lot when they can dump it down to him and you know get his ten points a game or something. Had, I think his career he had, high he was had twelve four today. Just throwing yeah. it out there. Yeah, and we also saw Duke get in foul trouble. There are big men get in foul trouble for the first time today, and that was one of my red flags That's last been- week. That's been a, a they, common so theme the, for the many teams. The two of them, Jefferson teams. and Plumlee, got in foul trouble, and when that happened, Georgetown did some things. Now, Georgetown is, is a mess in themselves, but if those two get in foul trouble against a competent team, and I don't even know if I want to say Georgetown is competent at this point, just watching them, but if those two get in foul trouble and they're playing against good bigs, that's, that's trouble. That is going to be trouble if you're putting Chase Jeter and Brandon Ingram in there. Who else do they have to put in there? There's no one else to play those two spots. Yep, they are pretty thin. They are Unless pretty they want to go completely small. <clears throat> you know who has surprised me on this team? Has been Matt Jones. He's shooting the ball really well. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that. Really? I thought that was their one. But Allen carried him the last guy. two games, and we have to just we have to come to terms with that. He carried yeah. him the last two games after taking a dump against Kentucky. Anything else on Duke? I think we've covered most of the bases. Yeah. Yep. Do we still like this team right around? I know we originally projected them third, or at least I think two of us did. Taylor put them at four. I think I this is a at five. I think this is a yeah. They don't look. Sorry, Duke fans. They look like they might be a, a fifth place ACC team. I don't know who takes that fourth place, but they. I think there are some 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 cases to be made for Miami. Sure. And... Uh, I think this is a great lead into our next topic since <laughs> I picked Miami to finish third in the ACC yeah, this year. But you picked Florida State. No, you picked Florida State. No, no, you picked Florida State. Don't 
<laughs> don't try to change history. We have it on I tape. don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll I, I like tape. both but of I them. Love, I love what I'm seeing from Miami right now. Okay, I know. We should have picked Miami as our sleeper of the year, but we picked Florida State. We might have just been a little bit north in the Florida. Same state. Close in Florida enough. State. We just went a little bit too north. We should have kept going south. But, yeah, it looks like Angel Rodriguez, Angel Rodriguez, sorry, um, found a psychiatrist. Seems to be doing well. We'll see if um, that continues in January where the months get cold. and Well, actually, it doesn't get cold down there, but he does have to travel on the road, and he might get crazy. It might go rogue. I'm hoping that happens, especially in back. Charlottesville. Yeah, the U. I'm holding up my hands in the the shape of the U. For people who don't can't see us. Uh, I, I mean, but I their think, fans are still not back. They're still elsewhere. I thought Miami was really impressive this week, and especially against Utah. And they're playing as we speak, and they're taking it to Butler. Yeah, yeah. It's a 16 point advantage. Just to let you know where we are in um. In time and space. Real time. We're taping in real time. And I mean, they, the game against Utah was their biggest test to date, maybe before this Butler game that's going on right now. And Utah looks a lot like Miami. They both have a lot of length and size. They play great defense. And this season they've had amazing offense, which maybe you didn't associate with them as much last year. And I thought that they, Miami really showed a lot by dominating Utah, really. Um, Rodriguez is a little more under control. The team moves well. They rotate. They are always active on defense. And it's a lot of matchup problems because they have those guys who can are big enough to guard, you know, the the front court positions, but then can handle the ball as if they belonged in the backcourt. Um Sheldon McClellan. Mm-hmm. Uh Jakiri was great. Yeah, he um, played he played. It helped really that well. uh Podal. Uh Hurdle. Jakob, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I mean, it helped Miami that he, that Jakob Podol went went out with early foul trouble, um, because you could see later on in the game that he would score some points against Miami's defense. But and he looked good, and I love him because one of the reasons you can tell that he's really arrived as a player (laughs) is that I remember watching him last year, and uh, and now you're really beaming, like your face. I know, I love this guy. The, just light as the, I need the, sunglasses. The in this announcers room. did not even know how to pronounce his name. They would say uh, Jacob. You know, I even heard last year in the Sweet Sixteen, they would a guy say, "Oh, that's Jake, Jake Podol, down low, Jake Podol." <laughs> and now every announcer fully on the Jakob train. They know they've learned how nice. to pronounce his name. This I think we should Jakob. do a little uh, an announcer segment, probably. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. We can get to Walton watch eventually, but. Jim Hal- Jim Calhoun as a color guy. How do we feel about that during the UVA GW game? It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, no, it was, I, I was not a it, fan. It was a struggle, wasn't it? I was not a fan. The last thing I want to say about Miami. Yeah. we we'll get this in there. <laughs> I, is that I'm in on Miami. Jim I'm Laranega. In. You don't have to convince me. I've always been a Jim Laranega fan. And the fact that he can rock an all-white Canes tracksuit and look fantastic um, is amazing. It seems like I would love playing for him. There's all these stories he uh, gives butterflies to his players to release. He releases butterflies because it's a sign of luck and goodwill, I believe. Uh, he did that both at George Mason and last year before Miami's, uh, or two years ago before Miami's. And his halftime interviews and in post-game NCAA. interviews are fantastic yeah. because he seems like a, a polite pop almost. Yeah, great His guy. mind's in another space. Like 
a polite slash non-sarcastic Popovich what? during his interviews because his his eyes are just kind of roaming around. And th- I love his interviews. He's one step ahead of everyone. I mean, all I could think about watching this, the the, the classic, the games are in Puerto Rico. I just think of him in his white tracksuit walking along the beach with his pants rolled up to his knees <laughs> in the surf, you know, the sand between his toes, just looking out at the sunset. Maybe Adele's Hello is playing in the background. On his iPad. Um, yeah, and he's thinking about how he beats the matchup zone. And <laughs> he just he's already ready for ACC play. So, big Larinaga fan. Yeah, I'm in on this Miami team. Yeah. I'm in. They are, they are for real. I, I mean, if there's any time to in. overreact, it's They could finish right? second. They're great. They could finish second. They could finish first. I would put it past them. We're not going to talk about Notre Dame because their non-conference is just a, a disgrace. So, I'm putting my foot down there. Any other teams we can get to? I think later on in the season we'll have a great opportunity to focus on some of the other ACC teams, but sure, um, sure. Let's move to a preview of the games to watch in the upcoming week. Lead us. Um, so there are a couple of uh, early season tournaments, but I think one of the ones we'll be focusing on is the Battle for Atlantis. That's uh, the Battle Numeral Four Atlantis, which makes me like it just a teeny bit less. But um, so your your initial matchups look like this: Michigan, UConn, Texas A and M. And Texas, Gonzaga, Washington, and Syracuse, and Charlotte. Man, poor Atlantis. <laughs> they didn't really, didn't really lure any of the big fish. You know, it's, got a bunch of minnows in this tournament. It's it's stuck around for a while, and it's been a very popular tournament. I did some research. I looked it up. If you want to go stay um, at the Atlantis, you're looking at about three hundred and sixty-one dollars a night for your cheapest room. That's re- mm. as of right now. You know, maybe earlier you could have gotten. Something a Are they giving better. away tickets for free to these games? Like, uh, do you get them free if you if you're staying at the hotel? I do not know. You should, because why would we pay to go see Texas A and M in Texas? Hey, I think, think that'll that. be a great game. It's a contrast of styles. <laughs> I mean, like you could have a great game between Southwestern South Dakota and North Alaskan State, but you know, do you really want to watch a good game between two teams who are just Uninspiring, I think you do. No, okay, no, you're wrong. You guys, you guys are aliens. Yeah, that's. I don't know, man. Big Twelve, Big you're Twelve basketball. Watch that. Basketball Texas fan. I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably watch, watch that it. game actually. We'll depending, actually depending on. You guys so go ahead. What seven o'clock on Wednesday? I'll find something productive to do instead. I think. Uh, I mean, I'm picking like, Texas A&M to win the game. Uh, they're a little bit. I think they're a little bit more disciplined than. Uh, Texas. All right, we need to pick up the pace because this yeah. is not a Texas A. This is not a Lone Star State podcast. Sorry, Just guys. Giving you a quick, uh, I'm sorry. Quick pick here. I think uh, Texas is. A, it'll be a fun game to watch because it'll be a contrast of styles. And Shaka will have uh, Texas I running. About, I don't know about fun game to watch. They have. Uh, they have a lot of talent, but they've looked a little sloppy. Could be like a brick fest. That could be a brick fest, guys. I think the first. If you like these... watching a fast-paced brick fest, then by all means. Continue on with your your plan. I think the I'll be sitting this one out. The game to watch on Wednesday, which is when all these first round games are, is uh, Michigan UConn. Sure, yeah, I'll give you that. I I think that'll be a a pretty fast paced game, but I think I like Michigan there. You like UConn? I like UConn. We disagree. I think Michigan's they're very dependent on the three as always, Mm -hmm. but Um, uh, they can shoot the three and they can bury threes. They can. I think UConn's going to close them out. Going to force them to. Take some contested shots, and Michigan's rebounding isn't great. I think UConn will out rebound them. 
Um, and I and I'm this is just a little, you know, speculation, but uh, in Nassau, the floor that they play on is a, it's actually a ballroom in the Atlantis that they right. retrofit to become a college basketball arena. But the ceilings are very very low, and they're kind of that, you know, particle board tile. Um, and I, it is a funky place to play basketball. Right, and I right, think so that may mix what's more challenging, with the shooting team. an aircraft carrier or the ballroom in Atlantis. I mean, either one. It's going to be tough to. I'm just saying. Shooting. I also, I also found out that uh, John Beeline has never been an assistant coach. He's always been a head coach in college basketball, which is impressive. But I also just think maybe he doesn't have the. I know you have these the humility. I know you have a box full he of have the humility. potpourri fun facts over there. And I'm I'm impressed. I'm picking you. I'm impressed by Kevin those, those um, observations and that knowledge, those fun facts. But yeah, great. Jim Beeline. He's never been a assistant. Let's let's continue on. Beeline? Gonzaga. Yeah, Beeline. Yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. Whatever it is. Gonzaga, Washington. Gonzaga. Yeah. Is any are any of us taking Washington? I don't know. Could be a surprise, mm-hmm. but I don't see it. So this Washington could be a close game. I think. It'll be closer than than you might think just by glancing at it. So I think Gonzaga um, is perhaps a a tad overrated at this point in the season. Uh, they haven't truly been tested. The pit game was canceled, of course, but they looked vulnerable in the pit game, and I, I'm still not not sure exactly how good this pit team is, but they um, they have some question marks in the backcourt. I'd say Gonzaga does. Gonzaga does, yes. yes. Yeah, yes. I think it's going to be a good game. And then finally, Syracuse-Charlotte. Let's just get this over with, this battle for Atlantis nonsense. Who? Yeah. Syracuse, of course, will beat Charlotte. I don't know if, of course. Charlotte's not that bad of a program, but I think Syracuse probably pulls through. That's enough of this Atlantis nonsense. Well, let's, because let's you're going to chalk it up to a low ceiling anyway. Why, why are we talking about these games? <laughs> let's, let's get all, back to the ACC. we got to get back on schedule. Let's pick a, a winner. Let's all pick a winner for the battle for Atlantis overall since – Wednesday, you know, the first round games, and then there will be semifinals, I believe, on Thanksgiving Day, and then on Friday, the final, we can all watch this. Okay, I'll take Michigan. Okay. You can take UConn. Go ahead. I will, uh, yeah, I'll take UConn. I think UConn will. Guess you like the Zags? No, dude. I, I I'll just, tell you what. Yeah, I actually, I like Michigan as well. Okay, Taylor, really like here's Michigan. what we're going to do. Um, We're not gambling money with you, but we're going to gamble dings. So next time, if Michigan wins... I get a ding, and Guthrie gets one ding. If UConn tends to win, you're going to get a ding. All right? Don't I get two because I'm going against both of you No, guys? you don't. You just get one. Okay? So and, we're going to keep track of those. And when Gonzaga Stay wins, tuned. we remain completely silent. Yeah, and if yeah. Charlotte wins, we go like this. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> ACC, let's get back to it. Should we go to Virginia? I don't, I don't think there's much to say about Wake losing to Richmond. Like, it's not really Unfortunate. Upset. It, was, it, wasn't as, I mean, it wasn't as exciting as last year. Um, I'm still I'm still on the Wake Forest bandwagon. We'll see. They play um, Indiana. Indiana tomorrow. I am looking forward to that rough. game. Uh, Shootout. I've watched Indiana a little bit this year. Yeah, I've I watched actually, one game of Indiana basketball. Yeah, I'm proud to say that. Assembly Hall. Look? Assembly Hall is the next arena on my bucket list. That's the next place I want to go and watch a game in person. And they're a solid team this year. Yeah. And I don't know how Yogi Ferrell is still around. What is this year seven for him? Doesn't it feel like that? No, Doesn't no. There feel are like guys year, that feel year like they've been there for forever. Yogi Ferrell. Well, he, yeah, him and Devin Thomas at Wake Forest. I feel like Devin Thomas yeah, has been yeah. there mm-hmm. forever. 
Okay, let's get to Virginia. Let's go. Now, the lead into this, uh, we said we're going to talk about announcers or college basketball talking heads who are actually recognizable, or you will see them on ESPN pretty much. So Jeff Goodman came out. I don't know if you all saw this. He came out just firing at Virginia after the loss to GW, claiming, I don't know if he was trying to get hits on his whatever terrible column he was writing or whatever program he was going to be on, but he was suggesting that Virginia should be dropped out of the top 25 and that it was an unacceptable loss to GW, even on the road, this early in the year. I have a problem with that. That's, that's strong. And then North Carolina does the exact same thing. We don't hear a peep. I mean, what do you guys think about this? Did you did you hear about any of this? No, I mean... I mean, it was pile on Virginia Tuesday morning through the present, I think. Yeah, I completely missed It was piling that. on. And then we started seeing other teams lose. Which kind of brought everybody back down to earth, I think. I mean, we said it last week. George Washington is a is a good team. Yeah. Yeah. And that is all credit to their their student section also. It was a great environment to play in. I mean, a great college environment in that it was it seemed like a just loud, energetic arena um for that game. I'm looking I'm looking at Jeff Goodman's Twitter right now. Um, just as like somewhat relevant, but yes, uh, George Washington is a great place, great environment. It looked like, um, unfortunate, unfortunate results from I'm, our perspective, but I mean, ultimately they, George Washington <clears throat> played very well. It seemed like they hustled a little bit more than Virginia. I hate mm-hmm. to fall back on those sorts of things, you know? Um, but they seemed like they wanted it more. They were like Garino was just flying everywhere, jumping over guys, getting lots of putbacks. I mean, and 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 UVA did not play good defense. No, our I, defense was was atrocious. And I've heard people chalking it up to the new rules. Oh, ticky tack fouls. They were just foul. late. They were late all yes, over the place. There are fouls. Yeah. There are fouls. There are some fouls that were from the ticky tack, but there were some that just you get beat off the dribble on a straight line drive, and you throw your chest out into the guy as he turns the corner on you and he has a half step, that is always a foul. That has been a foul. That's always a foul. I mean, I think that I hold the Virginia high school record for most games fouled out um, as a high school player, (laughs) and I know what a foul is, and I have used that myself a million times. You start to get beat. You throw your chest out into somebody. You hope to slow them down with lots and lots of body contact, and that's always a foul. Well, here's the thing. And Virginia got a lot of those fouls. GW is probably finishing second in the A-10 this year. I just want to let everybody know that. I thought maybe fourth until I watched them play, and now I think they could finish second in that conference behind probably Rhode Island. But, you know, Bennett said it afterwards. They just couldn't get a stop. Right when you thought a Virginia run was going to happen yeah. late, I mean, they took the lead at, what, 55-54 with the Puentes 3? And that's when we all sighed and thought, oh, okay, here we go. But no. Problems with that game besides from defensive rotations. Well, Wilkins was just he was he was lost. He, he did not have a good game. He responded well. Parentes, I didn't like his body language in that one. Just yeah. Kind of getting getting a little frustrated. You could see it in his face, but he bounced back as well the next two games. So mm-hmm. thankfully Everyone's looked a lot better. Any the of next two games. the yeah. concerns I that I so. had were extinguished immediately in this Charleston Classic. Well, I, so you, last in, year you saw the same sort of thing. The defense, the rotations were slow. They weren't kind of you know covering 
the help defenders and and it got yeah. better over the season and right. they definitely looked a lot better in the next two games and i think so, starting shyak has yeah, improved that, a lot it, it's helped a lot he is he is going to be really important for us going forward but for uva going forward but uh actually in the first half of the bradley game i saw a lot of the same like hesitancy the same uh lack of defensive focus that we saw in the gw game and honestly i i was i was pretty worried yeah, and, and, we, and we saw some interesting substitutions we saw jack salt pretty quickly i think he might have been the first person off the bench or the first or second person believe, off the bench yeah. which or was i or was that not, last game that might not have been bradley was that, that i thought that was that might have been the long beach state oh, okay yeah because beach, toby picked up another state. quick foul and i think that tony was saying mike just is, that's unacceptable just yeah. just keep racking up fouls. so that's why, why i think he went straight to the bench it wasn't uh I want to keep him out of foul trouble because I mean, when a player picks up his first foul, he usually doesn't get, you know. Right. What do you guys think about the status of the front court right now? Because I will say, I mean, a lot of the hedges, Toby and Gill, even who is Gill, fantastic on offense, his his defensive rotations and hedges haven't been. I just think they're going to call foul, more fouls on hedges this year. It's not even the it's not I, the fouls I'm talking about. It's okay. They can't cover fast enough they hedge right. and they can't recover they can't retreat fast enough that's yeah. what you're saying right they can't retreat to their man fast enough to cover and i to mean a certain extent for all the things that they say you hear people say oh you know darian atkins was a loss he was a rim protector it wasn't so much that he was a rim protector is that he He's was active he was a big guy He's who active. could move well enough to cut off the the ball handler on the hedge and then retreat so quickly right. with such awareness that he you didn't have a passing lane and he was able to cover up and roll. other players' mistakes. Right. When other players were beat, he was his help D was was the best part of well, his game. Well, eventually, exactly. I think that the UVA will get to that level where they're all you know back at that help D rotating everything. But I'm a little bit worried with our on the front court yeah. hedging and help defense. It is concerning that we're talking about Anthony Gill and Mike Toby as somewhat liabilities on defense, and they have been in the system a few years at this point. We heard so many good things about Gill and his defense in the preseason. Might have been a little bit of hype. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, sometimes players will say stuff in the preseason, and yeah, sure, guys look great in training camp. Oh, no or, way. But it doesn't always materialize. Yeah. And I'm not quite there to pull the trigger on <clears throat> Anthony Gill being a, a defensive menace, yeah. like Malcolm saying, was saying. A little bit and like with the GW game there were there were a lot of problems on the perimeter defending like I remember one time right straight Evan, line drives that's what we hope people say straight line drives you shouldn't have people going uncontested oh yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and like people get beat every now and then and that's fine that's to be expected it's college basketball it's it's basketball people are gonna get beat playing defense but when you get beat you need to have a, a help defender come and slide in and there were multiple times and then in the GW game. You have to have a game. second help defender cut off the pass from right. the rotation. Exactly. And we haven't even talked about the post trap in the GW game. Yeah, well, they that was just a complete, well, complete hold on, disaster. Hold on now. Hold on now. With, but, with the post trap, it's going to be hard for any of the player, the interior players, to trap against good passers. It's going to be difficult. This right. Year. Well, the post trap is now, will very. They, will dependent. they abandon it? Will they b abandon it if they're facing a four or a five who knows how to pass? That's a question. I think the post trap is also it's more than I mean almost more than the secondary defender who's coming to trap the the big guy, the front court guy. 
it's dependent on the rotation of that guard who kind of has to slide down and cut off that back door. Yeah, you have to cut off the baseline pass. The baseline pass. I mean, they knew Larson was a good passer going in, but still went after him early. Yeah. I think they abandoned it a little bit in the second half. I mean, he had had like five assists in that game. Well, uh, during the passer, he, he, he did a great job of getting rid of the ball when the post trap came. I'm trying to remember if how Gill and Toby fared against Okafor because Okafor was a great passer, and I know he sh- he struggled for like three quarters of the game last year in Charlottesville. What? But I, I feel like Atkins was in there for the majority right. of the time, and, and it, it wasn't, wasn't so the, much the, the Gil trap; Toby. it was that the guys yeah. you know are ready to rotate down, which and I think the, will come. The with guards you. have a big part to play in post trapping as well. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of blame to spread around. But other observations, we can get past the GW game. One last thing I'll say is it was a good sign. We've talked about a lot of negatives. A positive was we saw that Malcolm can go alpha dog early in the season. And we haven't seen that too much besides from obviously – UNC in the ACC That's tournament was immediately what off. came to mind. Like as this game was transpiring, I was like, "Man, this is really." And there have been some other road other games game. where he's 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 taken over, but that was a good sign moving forward. And I think one of these times he's going to pull him all the way back for a victory, even though in his huge offensive efforts in second halves, those two that we just mentioned hasn't been enough. And so. let's not go overboard, even though they played, you know. Bradley and Long Beach State, UVA did win those games by 25 to 30 and looked yeah. better doing so. Mm-hmm. That was pleasant basketball in the eyes. But sometimes when you get into a dogfight with how they're calling the games, sometimes you might just have to put your head down and go to the rim. Like, Malcolm, just go to the effing rim, you know? <laughs> just do it. Yeah. And that, that could be a weapon. So you could say the same thing about London. Like, get in there. I mean, his, his driving has certainly improved. I mean, why, why not just go to the rim with Brogdon? Gill can draw contact if shots are not falling. They had a lot and of success. They're calling it tight with the freedom of motion. Just go to the rim. It's they true. had a lot of success with what the you'll hear the commentators call the blocker mover offense, which is basically just Perantes, whoever the ball handler is, uh, running a little curl with the ball and then setting a, what I think of as a pocket screen where Gill will set a screen and then slide down immediately. You know, to the baseline, and Prontes curls around. Yeah, the Chris top Wright of the was thing. saying they, they, they did they a need great to... job with that. They scored a lot of points off that. My friend Chris Wright, the Saber.com, obviously knows this team better than anybody, said he'd like to see more curl cuts. And I agree with him. I rewatched some of that game, and it makes sense. Like the more curl cuts, that's going to cause problems for defenses, especially with the movement. But yeah, that's something to look forward to in the future. Anything else on your mind? I'm looking forward to tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, we feel good about the shooting, and we told everyone to calm down, not on air, not during the podcast, but just in our daily lives to calm down about the three-point shooting. I did, at least. Yeah. But that was, I mean, this is not going to be a fantastic three-point shooting team. We have to come to grips with that. I advocate panic in okay. all, in all things. So you panicked at the <laughs> yeah. three-point shooting. I'm constantly in a state they've been of lights. They've been 50% the last two games, which is lights out. Yeah. So. It was just it was just unfortunate. We had some really good looks at the end there in the GW game, and they just weren't falling. Like, it just happens. It's That's shooting. I'm very comfortable with Parentes shooting. I'm comfortable with Shayok shooting. I like Devin Hall shooting. I said after that first game where he was throwing up bricks, just he needs to keep shooting. He needs to so see they some tell great in, shooters, right? And they went in. Yeah. I'm, not comfor- I'm not comfortable with Darius Thompson taking more than a couple threes a game. Sorry. 
I'm just not. And I'll leave it at that for the guards. Malcolm, of course, green light at all times. But if we're talking three-point shooters, Evan Alti, that was an observation from the last game. And I told that to uh, the folks I was watching with while Guthrie was out playing Dota, watching the game <laughs> simultaneously. But Evan Nolte didn't play in the first half against Long Beach. Just want to point that out to folks. Mm. And I can't remember the last time that that yeah. happened. So that was one of my major observations. And they were in rhythm. So I'm interested to see how his minutes shake out in the next couple of games. But yeah, I think that's a wrap, boys. I think that's a wrap. Happy Thanksgiving for everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Thank the you. college basketball. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. And we'll continue to track the season. With uh, Should we plug? Send, our... us, send us emails. Uh, we want to hear from you. Our address is accbballdegens at gmail.com. That's A-C-C-B-B-A-L-L-D-E-G-E-N-S at gmail.com. Um, you can find us. You get a ding for that spelling Thank right you. there. You can find us on the iTunes But you weren't even store. looking at it. I, I saw you close your eyes and visualize the email address. Visualization. You get a ding for that. The secret works. All right. Um, and uh, like us and subscribe and review us. Yeah, the Facebook on the page, iTunes store. You can check us out on Facebook as well. Our page is ACC Basketball Degenerate. So imagine that. So Search for us, <laughs> ACC Basketball should Degenerates. Should be easy everywhere. to find, and you can find links there. Stop by, say hey, post on the wall, give us some theories about um, life or this season. Who's going to win the battle for Atlantis? Exactly. Who will win the ACC? Well, well, Who's going to win the national championship? Maybe we should advise listeners to to post about topics that actually matter. I can't believe we spent national five minutes. <laughs> we spent like eight minutes on Atlantis. National championships. That's not happening anymore. Texas A&M, man. All right. It's going to be a fun game. <laughs> with, with that said, so long.